0: Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, Blade Disgusting.com's Dead Pixels Horror Video Game Podcast, delivering a horrifying new episode every Monday. I'm one of your hosts, Jay Krieger. And I'm the other one, Neil Powell. And this week we're chatting about the recently released spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead, that being Turtle Rock Studios' Back for Blood. And we're discussing whether or not the game crafts its own identity or a safe blast from the past. A few weeks back we shared our thoughts on the Back for Blood beta, And uh, to summarize, we kind of largely felt that it had entertaining moments and was certainly promising, but initially it seemed as though it sort of lacked uh, some of the evolving on previous established mechanics, uh, primarily those being of Left 4 Dead. And so I'm curious, in the time now that we've been able to spend with the full version, has your uh, impression of the game changed at all? Yeah,
1: I think some of it, as we said at the time, would be a case of Well, you kind of need to see the whole game to see if this is going to be a problem or not. And like the storytelling, you know, for instance, was a thing where I was like, well, I I get why it's a bit incoherent and light at that point because you can't tell the whole story. And it's, you know, an earlier build of the game. And, you know, and after doing that, and obviously with the interview I did with the the guy behind the story and how that sort of planned out understand that a bit more but um yeah it's definitely more there for instance so that's something that's changed some of the issues became on a more technical level um whilst not as bad I, I think are still very much there but again there is a bit more context to the game in general now that I don't know it, it, it works in spite of itself I feel uh, that's the best way to describe it I think It's entertaining, and it's entertaining if you sort of let go and stop and don't get too nitpicky about it. I know, obviously, that's kind of the point of what we're doing here. But at the same time, I I have no qualms with games like that. I think I will start out by saying that that I feel games need to be accepted for that a bit more. Don't expect every game to be a, a, a sort of a masterpiece in terms of every aspect of it. Oh, well, that story was terrible. I didn't like that. Oh, well, this was... Games, like films, like books, whatever, they have their flaws that come from people, you know, working on it. You know, the very human things, things that could be overlooked. And the more people you put into a project, the more likely that is to happen. And, you know, as the old saying goes, you can never test enough because there's always going to be stuff that will come out in the wash that you never, ever planned for you know so yeah I, I start by saying that much here, that I understand and I believe that games like this have their place and as we've discussed before Game Pass is probably going to do this game more favours than if it had just come out yeah you know, uh, but yeah so um, what do you want to talk about first about
0: I think you bringing up expectations for this type of game is really important and not to lead off with this as if it is making excuses for it, but I think that when you have a game that is so heavily tied to something like Left 4 Dead, right? This massive—it yeah. uh, was one of those games that I definitely— obviously, throughout my history of games, I have fond memories of lots of multiplayer-focused games or zombie games or first-person shooters, but Left 4 Dead felt like it was a massive sort of milestone in terms of whether that being uh, its influence and uh, on Valve and Steam and these things— It was a game, though, that felt like a very cultural moment uh, amongst, obviously, many that probably occurred when it was originally released. But it left a distinct impression to the fact that people still play the original Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2 on Steam. And uh, from the last time I'd seen an article about it, which feels like, why would anybody be writing about that still? It was because within the last few years, there'd been an article that said that still there is this more than just a niche sort of like hardcore fan base that play that every month. And I don't think that that history can be ignored when you're talking about something like back for blood, especially obviously because uh, the studio is comprised of people that made the original. But I think that what's really important is the expectations in from what we've seen and what we experienced in the beta and realizing that not every experience has to be this massive revolutionary, um, kind of just expanding on previously established mechanics and whatnot, which I think that this game does. And it's not to a degree that I find it to be overly safe or anything. It's because it doesn't necessarily have to sort of redefine what you think about like squad-based zombie-focused shooters and whatnot, and how it has a lot of the familiar identity to it and texture to it in ways. But there are some... Expanding on previous ideas that I think goes past just new modern features. And that was something we touched upon in our beta impression, right? Was there yeah. are a lot of features in this game that seem as if they're just there because that's how people expect multiplayer games to operate in a lot of ways in this modern day and age. Sort of like you've got the perk system, you've got lots of uh, emphasis on weapon attachments and things of that nature. And yet I found in getting to experience the entire game that the beta didn't necessarily do it a great deal of service in terms of giving it that breathing room, right? And I mean, obviously, a beta is a small slice of the full experience. That's not exactly a surprise, but I found that maybe it was the section of the campaign that they let us play in the beta. It didn't necessarily highlight the best moments that I've had in playing this now for the better part of a week and a half. I think that that was probably the most telling in that we can't place as much emphasis as sometimes maybe we would think on like our beta impressions in a lot of ways and i think that while it might not have necessarily grown from the beta in all the ways that i would have wanted it to i think that in getting to actually play through and i'm speaking primarily about the campaign because that's how i spent most of my time with the campaign it seemed that it it really capitalized on those little moments of fun that we had in that limited chunk of the beta in a way that feels more profound than I was expecting throughout, and we'll get into it in terms of just how the game juggles sort of open environments, but also CQC, and how, at least I found, that there was a great deal more in terms of the intensity and kind of like never really letting the player ease up as much as I was expecting, Mm -hmm. because I think the slice from the beta, it definitely felt like, okay, there's two or three moments in this that really stood out, whereas over the course of playing through the full release, especially with friends online and things like that, I felt that those campaigns were much more, it was kind of more just gas in the sense that I was expecting. Like I always, always waiting for there to be more of a lull in things and to kind of like allow us some breathing room. And I don't necessarily know that it ever felt like that, which was actually even on like the easy difficulty provided a lot of the maybe tension that I would attribute to like my experiences back in the day with the original Left 4 Dead.
1: Yeah, I think we um, point that out with um, Alien: Inspired Team Elite. That you know there was this incessant need to have enemies coming at you whenever and wherever. Every time you think you can have a quiet period, the game just says, nah, have a few more." You know, like that just and I, you know, I said at the time that can be irritating when you you do just want to just have a little break and I don't know Back for Blood has these sort of micro breaks you know in certain sections especially when you get into full on siege mode and you are you know you have those waves of enemies and you literally get that little breather that you can liken to like all the sieges should have that you know it's like you should have this moment of calm where you're relieved for a moment that you have a little moment to catch yourself but you're also very aware that the next one's coming and you don't know if you're prepared enough, and communication is key. And what you don't, your health's looking down, and it's yeah, and then it comes, and then you just have to battle for anyway. To me, um, the game works best in the, its two extremes, uh, in terms of combat, especially. Uh, it works when there's very few enemies around and you can just sort of have fun with what you're doing you know if you've got a melee weapon it's good to just smack around a few enemies and knock them about or if you've got a sniper rifle to just pick them off from a distance while your team goes in and then at the other end you know when you are just uh, not always I'll add and we'll come to that again because this, this came up in the beta but when you have these sieges or these masses of enemies chasing you to as you go into the safe room they could be intense in the best way, you know, where you are just having to almost, in a, like a rhythm game, having to time your re- reload, time your swing, time your shot every time. You can't let anything get let up. And if you're going to go and revive your teammate, you need to make sure someone's clearing space for you. You can't just walk in because you will, you will end up down. And then it's just the amount of times you see that happen is insane. It's not the only game it happens in, but it's <laughs> to this day. Um but yeah, in those moments you get that a bit of that old magic there, you know, where people act like absolute arseholes, you know? And uh, it's uh, you know, they, they might leave you behind and want to die effectively. They might, <laughs> people still you know, tinkling still a thing. In 2021. <laughs> it's the middle that didn't quite gel for me. I think the game is never quite, you know. One of the things that made Left 4 Dead such a hit is, you know, its game directing. you know, the things that decided when and where things should happen based on how you're playing. It's not there here. You know, that bit is stripped out. It's more. There's a lot more chaos in what it throws at you. You know, it's, it's oh, have some of this, have some of that now, and like that, and it's like, and it doesn't feel like, you know, it doesn't connect with. The story they're telling and like that in a way uh, all the time there are times where it works perfectly and you're like oh yeah this you know this is a cool organic moment because generally because of the people you're playing with you know and, and what right. stupid thing they're gonna do next <laughs> but when you have these moments go the other way and it just throws the wrong kind of enemies at you, and it's like it can be very unpleasant you know and it's like it can be knock the pace about a bit you know where you are not quite getting up to the speed you think you should be getting to i know it's very safe and simple to sort of go start calm start calm get a bit more get a bit more hit a high note calm down a bit like that and then you know the game does that to a large degree but it's that bit in the middle where it doesn't quite build the pace properly it's like it um you know if it was a graph it would just basically you know low, 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 high, high, low, high, low, high, low, high, low, 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 then real big high, then a little bit of a low, then high again. And it, yeah, it's just... And that bit, you know, for many reasons, you know, I think the card system plays into that, especially, and the, the game's difficulty spikes. All these things sort of come together to mean that where the game is trying to have replay value and in its unpredictability, it suffers a lot. Uh, and that is the bit for me where it suffers the most.
0: Yeah, so I kind of have a love-hate relationship with the pacing overall, right? I mean, I played a lot of this single player, but then I also played a lot with like my roommates and whatnot. And we were all able to play and play through. And it's it's different, obviously, when you have people that you can rely on in terms of just like, okay, they're not going to obviously TK me. They're not going to fuck about. They've played games before. They kind of get the general idea of what we're doing here. And they have some experience with Left for Dead back in the day. And so it's very different when you have an organized squad where I found those moments of chaos that sometimes aren't paced the best. I found those to be really rewarding at times because I'm playing with people that are of equal skill level or they're people that I actually know like personally. So it's this idea where it's like we're reveling in this chaos. And then at the end of the, the round, I can't wait to like give shit to one of my buddies that was the one that fucked up or I'm waiting for them to like throw jabs at me because I made a stupid mistake because I got flustered by a horde or whatever (laughs) and that though is very isolated right that's not going to be everybody's experience so I can see how that could be very frustrating and that is actually even more so frustrating like for an hour or so my buddies and I played on the hardest difficulty and you know I mean I think we're okay with games but we're definitely not like the most veteran uh, difficulty worthy if you will but it was the type of thing where when you play at that level even with the strategy element in it that's tied into, like, being able to have this perk system with the cards and whatnot, and then the corruption cards, which throw you these curveballs with the premise I've of been the reward. It- Somebody have
1: <laughs> calling it curse in my head. <laughs> cur-
0: well, cur- curse corrupted. I mean, it's it's the general thing. I mean, you mentioned Fireteam, right? That was a feature yeah. in Fireteam too, where you have these cards basically that come up randomly and they throw you a curveball like you'll take twice as much damage but you'll get twice the amount of XP for the round or something like yeah. that um, and I think that those they add obviously a wrinkle of randomness and challenge which I appreciated but at the even higher difficulties like you said that's when the pacing becomes a problem because again For somebody that enjoys a challenge but is not, I don't know, the most hardcore or, like, good at games all the time, the idea that I could have enjoyment in that when it's entirely reliant on, like, my perk system and things like that, where that is when those perks really count, and if you have one wrong card or if you decide to go with ammo capacity instead of health when you would really need it, I think that would completely undo your run, which, when you're kind of just getting this barrage of high-intensity moments, and there's no moment of reprieve, really. it Again, like, in the siege moments, that makes sense, but throughout the course of a round, like, there were stretches where I didn't get really a, reprie- a reprieve for, like, 15 or 20 minutes, it felt like sometimes, and that becomes not only uh, fatiguing, but at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, how many more of these uh, tall boy infecteds do I have to kill when you have to hit them right in that right spot, and oh, then man. if you screw that up in one... F- kind of like fatal moment it'll destroy the entire run even if you've kind of abided by all of the game mechanics that you should have been throughout a majority of it and it was the type of thing where i was like let's just play it on the most normal difficulty so that we can have the most enjoyment with our experience in a specific run because it's like we want a challenge but not to the degree that it derails the previous 20 minutes of strategy and uh, quick reflexes and all these things that come into play with multiplayer
1: yeah and this is funny you say this Um, I'm very much of the opinion that to get the closest to an optimal experience uh, out of it you need to be slightly higher on difficulty than you want only because too easy or comfortable is just too easy you know like that until it hits those spikes and it makes those spikes just really irritating you know it's like Mm. um, and obviously too hard to go too far the other way is just like madness just don't because you will just send horrible letters to Turtle Rock forever but (laughs) yeah that sweet spot where you can just get a little ahead of yourself in terms of it to me felt overall like everything was danger everything's more dangerous like and it made those smaller encounters more pleasurable because while tougher than normal they still felt safe. You know, you don't really feel like there's much risk involved in smacking a few around and then doing whatever. And it just puts the absolute dread into you and requires absolute teamwork to to make work. Obviously the downside of that is play with strangers, you're fucked. Let's be honest. <laughs> you know, it does yeah you are very lucky if you find someone who doesn't just immediately run for the pros every time you know, or, or shut the fucking door on you, you know, it, these things always happen
0: sounds <laughs> like something, some things haven't evolved since the beta
1: no no, it still happens <laughs> far <laughs> too often and you know you'll revive people again and again and then they'll just run off you know when <laughs> I, it's something I never got it's like again it, like I was saying before if you've got the right tactics you know, as a team If someone's down, one person clears while the other person arrives. But obviously, you need to be able to communicate that. Uh, You know, there's no proper system for doing that outside of you know having headsets and chatting to each other. And uh, that was more of a novelty back when Left 4 Dead came out. You know, you know people would put headsets on all the time and talk because people have not got sick of it yet, you know? Right. And I, I think, and me included here, you know, I, the idea of talking to people online Wi-Fi game now is just, like, dread-inducing, because it's just like, uh, it, it's gonna be a slog, you know? It's like, and, it, yeah, even when you're talking to someone you know, it, it can be like, I need, how am I gonna communicate it? Oh, right, Oh, you, you need to have that core group of friends, and that becomes more niche. But again, comes back to what we we're saying about Game Pass. If you know all your friends are Xbox and you can all just play this game without having to pay anything extra, brilliant. Again, why it makes perfect sense for a game like that to have that kind of momentum. You know, for all the criticism this game will receive, rightly so, I feel in a lot of ways, it will have a chance to persevere because of that. And I think that that's been why they've pushed that as the lead platform why they've made it everything going into it and yeah it, it it could get there it just needs a few tweaks and balances and again this is always a problem with live service games it's like there are things that are going to change over time and yes you could criticize them now you could have knee-jerk reactions to so them now fundamentally some things are going to change in time however now here we can sort of Unpack some of it because it, it's essential. You know, if you're looking, someone turns around you and says, "Oh, should I pay back for Blood?" It's like, you know, beyond just saying Game Pass. Yeah, you, know, you, you kind of think, well, no. If I'm thinking, like, are you buying this game? You know, though it's cheaper than most big games. Right. Again, this was uh, an appeal with Alien: Fireteam Elite. It's like it's a cheaper price point. You know, brilliant. You know, you've got more chance of uh, taking that risk on it if you like the property. Um, so yeah you, you need that you need to have some sort of inbuilt faith system and obviously Turtle Rock had been stung before with something that was a bit more evocative in Evolve and while this is safe in many ways there's a lot of it that's such a throwback that it feels like the audience may have moved on if, if you tried to charge full price and just go from there with it and yeah so I, I think it needs to, to have game pass uh, and things like that and no doubt will come to other things in, in the future um, but I think expectations just need to be set to the level where it's don't go in thing Left 4 Dead Left 4 Dead because Left 4 Dead you know if you played it at a very particular point in your life and it's special to you no game is ever going to come close right never it's the same if you live old to, as long as some people do like myself you know you get to the point where you say oh yeah well i now realize that the game i loved 20 years ago as imperfect as it may be i'm never gonna love another game like quite like that again because i don't have the wonder and the relative naivety uh, to uh, and then you see many many games come along and tackle the same subjects, do the same things and yeah that's Something that gets forgotten, you know. There's been so many zombie-based games, zombie co-op shooters, in the last, God knows how many years. You know, in that time, Call of Duty has done it, pretty much every year, in its own games. You know, and that's part of it. So, it's an uphill struggle in a lot of ways because that audience is either out of games, and or you know not, or just uh, they're going to compare it to that. So. I get why it's a selling hook for Back for Blood. You know, so, you know, Left the Dead, Left the Dead. And it was, unav- you know, it was unavoidable because of the kind of game it is. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's biggest plus point and it's biggest curse, clearly, because it just, it will suffer and benefit from that in, in, in equal measure. Yeah,
0: and I mean, you're bringing up like the price point and then also, of course, it being on Game Pass is that, I'm a perfect example of that because the my roommates who play games, but they don't go out and buy very many games, right? A majority mm. of it is kind of like the seasonal rotation of sports stuff, the odd RPG when you get a reboot of some franchise you played as a yeah. kid, and then one or either Call of Duty or Battlefield take your pick. But it just a couple days ago I was told them that this was on Game Pass and mentioned Left 4 Dead and it's that thing where it's just like oh the nostalgia kicks in that's the selling point but the real selling point for them is hey I can play this for free and I can just dive in and then end up having a good amount of fun playing with one another and having this ideal circumstance with playing a multiplayer focused uh, service game like you'd mentioned and yet I always have to keep in the back of my mind that this is not the experience of everybody that picks it up and this raises a point that only really came to light recently leading up to the game's release in terms of the progression when you're playing this game solo and how the fact that you're not earning the in-game currency throughout your playthrough of the campaign, which lets you unlock, in addition to cosmetic stuff, if that's your bag, but more importantly, the corruption cards, or rather, hmm. the sorry, the corruption cards are the cards that influence the game world per match, whereas hmm. your, your perk cards are the ones that boost your stats or give you abilities and these things, which yeah. the further you get into a campaign and the harder the difficulty, those are more important almost than whatever gun you're using because of the abilities yeah. and the way that, again, tying into the art, the more modern day kind of like RPG light mechanics that you can apply through perks and uh, weapon attachments and all this stuff. You can really cater your own personal play style more so than in the original Left 4 Dead, which is just kind of like, okay, I'm going to use... A machine gun or a shotgun or a SMG, right? I mean, not that's not a detriment to that game. That was core to that experience, where the yeah. player gets to facilitate this one specific combat role. Whereas there's more customizable options, there's more flexibility in Back for Blood because, in like you had said, the fi- I don't even remember what is it, fi- ten years since the last uh, Left for Dead game, Left for Dead Two, something thing? like that. Anyways, but. It just shows you kind of the expectations of what an online game should offer based on just what has been coming out in the interim of that and what players expect. And I think that that does do a good job in terms of updating this sort of familiar premise. And it does so in a way that, like you had said, has pluses and negatives to it. Um, It's just sort of a shame that people that primarily play single player games, I mean, that's their big ask right is that can you enjoy this without friends because playing this multiplayer with people that you know is a luxury that not everybody has and as somebody that played through the whole game solo and then has played through it with friends I mean it's obvious which is the stronger uh, experience in that regard but I don't know I'm curious what do you think would you recommend somebody checking out Back for Blood if they don't have anybody to play with and they're not keen on playing with randoms online
1: Um, it's unfortunately emphatic absolutely not but it's just um AI is no compensation at all you know (laughs) Uh, again we we beat this bush in particular with Fireteam Elite uh, recently where you know AI just doesn't have the spark uh, to really do the things you want it to do and it's not until you then jump on the people again you're like ah yeah okay you know because Like I was saying before, a big part of what made Left 4 Dead and even perhaps Blood tick is people and what they'll do. The unpredictable nature of people cannot be replicated by AI, no matter how good. It's not there. And so you need it. And then tying in the thing that they've had about, oh, you you can't have this, you can't have that, because of their always online thing and uh, that's that feels very much more like a, a Warner Brothers thing than Turtle Rock's fault, you know, in yeah. that regard. And I, I guarantee they'll backtrack on that at some point. I think they even mm. come out recently to say that, that they're looking to fixing that issue with the solo play. But well, on the other side of it, I don't see why you play this game solo in the first place. You know, it's like, to me, that was always a case where left it. It's like, why would I want to play it on my own? It's yeah. like... It's like apart from to maybe learn some stuff, but just Fireteam Elite proves to me is it's so boring to play games that are very, very obviously, you know, made to be played as a group.
0: Well, I'll say I'll say this in terms of the single player, right? I mean, yeah, there's probably the moni- the minority of people that are going to approach this game as I'm only going to play the single player. Hmm. What I do think, and why I do agree with you that they're going to backtrack on that progression stuff is that it puts you at odds if you a are working up the nerve or you want to work up just like a familiarity with the game early on in terms of, okay, I'll play through half of this by myself, get a familiarity with it. And then maybe in addition to that, like boosting up my rewards in terms of like, I'm going to unlock the in-game currency through playing. And then I can sort of give myself somewhat of an edge when it comes time to getting online, if I want to unlock better cards or whatever, things like that. And so For people that are coming to this and they're like, I'm sort of iffy on multiplayer, I find that if you were able to come into it and just play solo for a little bit of time, get some rewards, and then jump into multiplayer and be able to carry those rewards with you, that would probably incentivize people that might, again, it's probably the minority, but that might incentivize those people that are sort of like iffy or wary of online to be like, well, I feel a little more comfortable in approaching online, whereas it might become daunting now that it's being reported so widely that, well, if I go online and play with randoms, they're going to have better gear than me. Granted, how true that might actually be is debatable, right? I mean, how much are the cards really going to influence you, uh, your gameplay and whatnot. But it's the idea though, that it's like, well, there's people online that might be playing with a group of friends and need one more that have things that I don't have that might be somewhat intimidating to a degree. So that is a very, uh, questionable decision that I definitely agree with you. They're definitely going to walk back at some point.
1: Yeah, they will. It's the very nature of how these things end up working. And you know, as I said, they've been burned before. And like I said, I don't think it was entirely their decision. Right. So, you know, they, they can come back to it and say, oh, no, you know, this, this clearly didn't work. The game's out. We've made this X amount of money now. Let's do this. You know? mm. it, it surprises me more just because they had that. Game Pass deal, yeah. You know, where it's right. like, why bother? You know, it's like, why why do that? And it's like, it's not the only game in the world that has what is essentially a practice mode, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it turns out that it's multiplayer focused, you know, it's just there. So it happens that because it's story led, um, uh, everyone will naturally expect that to be, the, you know, everything that you get everywhere else, I think. The best solution they could come up with is a tier system of like rewards. Like you get a basic amount for doing the story on your own. You could get better if you're playing as a team like that. And I think it's always going to be tricky with with a game like this to get that balance. You, You and again, this goes back to what I was saying before. Back when Left 4 Dead came out, not many multiplayer games to compete with like it. You know, and now. There's so many, so, so many. And you, you're you already fighting, scratching and clawing to get a foothold in that part of the industry. And, yeah, if you don't immediately get it, it can be very difficult to come back. But you want to do enough right to begin with to entice people. And it can happen. You remember Fallout 76 had a, a very similar problem where, you know, it's like... It was very, so multiplayer focused that, you know, they they literally stripped out any essence of Fallout. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know. yeah. And now the game has everything that yeah. people missed about it and it's turning heads. You know, no Man's Sky, same thing, you know, changed everything. Once they got everything, that was different, I suppose. It was a case of like things were promised that didn't happen until later. But um, here, I think they, they've offered a, a multiplayer game up. First and foremost, they've never really talked about it being a single player experience. So, while it's unfortunate and stupid, I I find it hard to get mad at it because, but that's just me. It's like if I'm playing a multiplayer game, I understand what I'm getting into. That's it. I know that I'm going to have to interact with people whether I like it or not. And yeah, so, and I prefer that to being teamed with dumbass AI, you know, because it's always, always pitiful by comparison.
0: Yeah. I mean, also in kind of the broader conversation to the games that you mentioned, if you were to, obviously it's not sort of a one-to-one comparison because hmm. of those situations, but I would say like Back for Blood, I think is the most solid in terms of like what's offered day one, right? There's no short-term oh, content. Yeah. It's very in line with what was advertised in some regards, right? It's not perfect, but it's definitely, I mean, in playing it, I was like, well, is this similar to something like Left 4 Dead, which it's being marketed largely as whether or not they actually say that. It's very clear, like, what they're going for here. And the further you play it, the more that becomes apparent. I'm like, okay, this is satisfying at the most basic level of the type of experience I thought it was going to be. Um, And in that regard, like, you can only go up in terms of like more content added or walking certain things back and expanding on them. Um, But one thing that I wanted to mention that I wanted to come back to that you had mentioned was um, you mentioned like the siege. uh, I don't know if I want to say events or like a siege portion that pops up periodically throughout the campaign. Mm. And those moments, I think, are so indicative of evolving. While it's not much, it is evolving the gameplay experience a little bit from what was established in Left 4 Dead, right? Very mm. much structurally, it is, you're a group of zombie killers running from one, loca- from one safe room to the next, right? It doesn't yeah, get it much is. deeper than that, but I did appreciate throughout the game, there are these few moments where you have to kind of like hold your own in a house, or you have to hold your own in, uh, what was it? It was like a bar or something, yeah. and you have these moments where there's an item or an artifact in there that you have to defend, or you have to collect things. I think about there's one where you're in a mansion and you have to run these supply crates out of the mansion into the back of a truck while you're getting assaulted by different zombies and the mutations and all of these things. And those stand out to me as some of the most fun moments of this game. And it, it's such a simple thing. And yet yeah. there's, it's impressive how something as slight as that adds these very memorable moments of kind of curtailing those bits of intensity that I found that this game does and again this comes back to like how chaotic it can be at times but in those moments where it is this very organized chaos and purposeful chaos rather than just sort of like a a random difficulty spike it's like no this is a set piece that is supposed to be like this and I think that the reprieve that you get during those combat segments is like only ever enough to reload or to go search for ammo or something you only have a mere mere seconds to do something and then the next assault comes I think that this game does a better job of introducing sort of set piece events throughout the campaign and the acts and whatnot, even if I do have some qualms with the overall structure of the entire uh, act structure. I mean, how did you find in terms of just them implementing these sort of like set piece moments into the overall uh, campaign?
1: Well, like like I said, I, I found them to be some of the strongest moments in the game. They are also, unfortunately some of the weakest too because as I said difficulty spikes uh, Yeah, the beta was a great example of this with the the ferry section uh, at the the end of the first chapter and it became it was very unclear there was no real proper signposting and you're relying on hearing things rather than looking for things in terms to find out what you're actually supposed to be doing and especially towards the end of that where you're actually supposed to get off and like hold out on the br- the other side of the bridge with many guns and stuff like that it, it was I, I couldn't figure that out because personally you know, like, you know I'm hard of hearing and I can't always read what's on the screen when uh, 90 100 things are fucking going on at once I, I need to have some sort of proper visual indicator of what's going on um, so it made that really frustrating especially because that's a point in the game where it, for the first time it really just throws so much at you and depending on what you know corruption cards have come up you could be utterly fucked by it you know it just it becomes punishing in a way that it really shouldn't that early in the game it should be challenging but it should never be like it is where like I say it comes straight back to the idea that the game's designed with the idea that everyone you know is playing this game you know and that's lovely and very idealised but it doesn't always work you know in, in the modern age and you are going to against people who just clearly aren't old enough to be playing it you know and that in itself holds its own problems because then they don't understand what you probably should be doing and like that and I've seen that so many times in so many games where you just think like oh how did I kill that person or how did I do this and why didn't they understand that and it, nearly always the answer is if you've got mics turned on is they're about 10 years old <laughs> and, <laughs> like, and yeah so or oh, they've got a very squeaky mic but either way it, it it doesn't factor that in you know like that I know and the whole point is they shouldn't have to because you know the age range of the game is not for that and you know not to say adults and young adults cannot be ignorant and uh, what a game should and shouldn't do um but still, it it's hard to swallow sections like that when it really kicks you in the ass for no good reason. You feel like being punished, not for what you're doing, because you can be selfless, you can do the right thing, clear the right path, like I said earlier about, you know, it takes two to really revive one person before it gets... And you need to, because otherwise it just goes to shit. And in the right circumstance, that is, like, this great moment. You know, like... If you don't make it when you're an organised team because something else distracts the other guy, that's brilliant. That's exactly like, you know, a zombie movie would do, you know, where it's like, oh, we can go save him. But no, the doom and gloom comes in and this happens and that's great. But no, when it's just like no, someone will go over and try and heal the guy that's in a swarm of people, they'll die. Then the next guy will do it and they'll die and it's like, what do you do at that point? You're fucked. It's like, you can't go and you've got... A couple of lives more if you're playing as the right character, and you're trying to avoid that. You need to revive them to avoid losing those lives, but there they are, wasting them, you know, very easily, and it's horrible. But like I said, the other side of that is this sublime experience where you just, you know, really pad close to your face, staring very resolutely at the TV thinking oh yeah this is i, I, I can get very. you're not really thinking much else other than the moment and just doing you know there's that rhythm of like you know reload here shoot here swing there move there do that like that and just it is you know it in this very organic i hate to see the word organic i do you know it's a very organic manner where you don't really natural that's a better word it's very natural you know as opposed to being Literal button prompts on a screen saying you must do this, 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 and to um, get out of this situation, it, it just becomes this thing where you are trance-like, getting into the flow of what's going on, and not being distracted by the outside, which you know is increasingly hard to do these days. You know, there's so many other distractions that can take you out of the game. That, and I think that again contributes a lot to playing with strangers online and being a problem sometimes. Is that if that person is just like on their phone whilst playing the game they're not paying the right amount of attention so they're not really focused on it and you can't control that and like I said that's great when it works in your favour but you know it kind of knocks you out a bit of it you know when you you have to deal with that so it's interesting you know I mean it, it works so well in the right circumstances but I think there's a naivety in believing how people get to have that experience you know, these days.
0: Yeah. I'll say, I think the fairy is probably the worst example of mm. what we're talking about. The fa- And the fairy actually exposes an issue that I have with the objective markers in this game, more so than the other two instances I had mentioned, which would be the bar mm. and then the, uh, the mansion when you're running the supplies in and out. Because um, at least with the bar, it's one level, it's a it's a massive jukebox that's playing music like you can't fucking yeah. miss it right I mean you're never going to miss it because and that really capitalizes on the element of something like Night of the Living Dead right you're in a house basically a house you have to defend it's one floor there's six different windows or entryways that you have to defend and there's only the four of you and so that one has a certain intensity that is familiar not overly complex and yet that's when that sort of like organized chaos really is a a positive in my mind, right? You're constantly scuttering around from the different entry points. You've only got enough time to reload or maybe grab one more uh, molotov off the bar. And But even with the house, though, like the mansion, it's three floors, but again, it abides by a realistic architecture. So you're like, okay, there's a staircase, but then that feeds off into two different directions and there's a basement. It's, It's very well organized in the sense that it's like, yeah, if you're become just dis- sort of oriented at the end of the day like it's still a house you've been in a house it's very familiar the problem with the ferry though is that the ferry layout is not nearly as well organized but also it from what I remember at least it gives you a brief indication of where you have to go to like plant a bomb that's the big thing with the ferry is that yeah. you have to plant four bombs to blow it up so the, the ridden can't run across the bridge and chase you and from what I remember it kind of gives you a brief instance of a marker where it's like, okay, you clearly have to go to the bottom of the boat. But then once I got down to the bottom of the boat, I kind of just like ran around looking for it. There was no clear yeah. indicator. It only popped up once the the boiler or whatever I had to blow up was literally right in front of me. So at that point, the chaos, it's chaotic from two points, right? I don't know specifically where I need to go. And it's chaotic because there's a fuck ton of zombies right behind me. And of course, in that being the crescendo moment of that uh, level, all of these special infected are showing up, which of course can immobilize you. They deal the most damage and whatnot. And oh. <laughs> it doesn't help that there's like three swarms of those just shambler zombies that basically incapacitate you to a certain degree when they surround yeah. you. So it is the worst the worst and best, right? There's a couple of moments that really stand out but at the same time there's at least the same amount of moments where it's like exposing some of the faults maybe in whether it be the architecture of the world or just the sort of marker mechanics if you will.
1: Yeah, I mean the first time I figured out where I actually had to go on that was because I was getting annoyed with it sat in a corner in the booth just like taking out anything that came through the door like that you know it just felt very like last man standing and I happened to turn and see that there was a way off the fucking ferry you know like across the other side of the bridge okay I'll try that and suddenly you find out that was all you had to do and after that it's piss easy and it's just like but Mm. I think from the start of that bit onward it's not very well communicated at all like that even like what you're supposed to actually be doing you know to begin with just feels really badly done it just and like you said I don't think it really gets that bad again you know which is nice it's great it has moments where you're like come on where's this coming from you know why are we now suddenly you know jumping on us you know for nothing and yet stuff like dining and that it is brilliant in the bar sorry it is brilliant to me I I think I've been writing about this today about specifically about that bar um, sequence is I love that it evokes that sense of what was in Resident Evil 4 in its siege scenes where you've got too many entrances and exits to really get to even between four of you you it's constantly around covering but you also don't have very much room to manoeuvre you only have so much ammo if someone does go down it becomes a big problem, you know, like that. So in doing so, you really just have to be so careful and in key with each other. And it just makes for such a fantastic thing. You know, I loved it. it and I, that it was one of my highlights of the entire game. The Mansion, as you say, is also just really cool, you, especially if you get people communicating and doing the right things. And, I mean, Back Birds. Big thing and it was always the same with Left 4 Dead repeat playthroughs give you more of the story give you more of an understanding about what can and might happen during a level even with what random stuff might be thrown in and a little bit that gets forgotten here because I think Story especially suffers from a first time playthrough because you miss so much of the, oh, yeah. the, banter, the banter, the little things that are said in between because too much is going on. You know, mm. they can talk, but all you ever hear is the noise of the zombies, the background, <laughs> the music like that, and it, it just gets a bit much. You know, maybe that's just a personal problem for me uh, because you know, i the limited hearing, but it still does not help. You know, and it's only when you come back and you understand areas a bit more and you understand you know, where you can sort of relax a little bit, even with how random some of it can be, that you start to hear more of what's going on and understand more of the story and you see that there is actually a decent story you know, and decent conversation. The conversations between the cleaners it can be really fun and like, stuff like that. but you just, there's no, this comes back to what we were saying before. There is no calm in which you can hear that because it's so constant. So, I would prefer if you have periods where you're taking out a few calm periods, calm periods, little spikes here and there, and, and then just sort of go from there. But as we said, it just keeps wanting to throw things at you, it keeps wanting to try and catch your attention. And again, this comes back to the idea of what a modern online game is it has to constantly be keeping your attention it doesn't you don't want to be left bored you don't want to have any excuse to look away from the screen Uh, and you know people still will uh, as i mentioned but it's then to the detriment of the pacing you know and it makes yeah it, it buries the best part of the game you know in terms of Finding out more about this world, and without that, it could be any game. You know, it could be you know, oh, here's a street, here's a here's a forest, whatever. You know, it's like we've seen all this before. It needs character, and it's there. It just it's not being pushed to the front as much as it should be. And again, Left for Dead, we hate banging on this drum, but it got that. You know, it got that right. It knew how to blend storytelling. Subtle as it was, again, I think this is also not a problem of back for Blood as much as it is the way the industry has gone, where there is this weird attention span problem with storytelling. But like, <laughs> unless yeah. unless people are literally just hammered in the face with it, they're not going to see it. You know, it's like it's why you'll get you know, Death Stranding. Like, oh, this is all nonsense. Oh, and like, and when you could, if you really wanted to get anything out of it, you could think deeper, but you're not going to. You're going to just say. Well, I didn't get to shoot people in the face for five hours, so it, it just it was unsatisfying to me. And, uh, and yeah, so it just it always means because like, the talent is there for that, and I think you know they got uh, they got the narrative designer from Vampire in from Don't Know Vampire, which like uh, it's played out only this week that it's as a game very messy but the way it goes about storytelling is really brave you know it's like it really takes it in interesting places this is not really like that but it's just it's a better story than you get to see
0: it's the best case yeah it's the best case scenario for a multiplayer focused kind of like service game i think Mm. in that It definitely is not of a caliber that I would prefer, but it is more, it still manages to be of a caliber more than what I would expect from this style of game, right? And I think that, if anything, it is a poorly advertised benefit of replayability, right? And that this is a game you're going to be playing through very frequently if you latch onto it and you have a good group of friends to play with and everything, where there is value then in replaying these sections, in being somewhat familiar with things in that okay i'm waiting for to get ambushed and yet at the same time i'm a little more relaxed than i was on a first playthrough because obviously you're familiar with it even if you don't know the exact position it's kind of this idea where it's like okay this seems like a choke point or something to that effect so Mm -hmm. maybe i'll take a deep breath and listen more to what's going on around me um which i definitely think is again it's a double-edged sword. It's got its positives and its negatives. But one element that I did really appreciate that also I don't think was necessarily is getting talked about enough is just the strides that they make throughout the act to establish the geography of the world of this game in that Mm. you revisit certain areas, but it's only ever so slightly in that you return to a certain area and then something is different in terms of, One area that you visited before is now boarded up and a new way is opened up, which obviously sounds very simplistic, and it is, but I think there's an appreciation there that I have in terms of making strides to connect these different acts and to establish a setting more so than it feeling like a random series of environments. And while the game does go off in some different directions later on in terms of where you're visiting and things of that nature, it still feels like this is still within the same, I don't know, 20 mile radius or so that you've been experiencing throughout the entire thing to a degree that by the end of the game, I'm like, okay, this is a world that actually, again, while maybe I haven't experienced all the storytelling elements or things like that on the first playthrough, it is this thing though, where I feel like this is a set, a real world setting. Whereas when I think about other sort of service games like destiny, I've never felt that. It always felt like a random hodgepodge of different areas sort of like just meshed together because it'd be cool or we need variety here. Whereas with this, it feels cool to see a progression through previous explored environments. And yet it never feels overly repetitive. Like there's this part where you're leaving your like base camp or whatever. And then you come to this sort of town square where there's a gas station and then there's um, Like a, I think it's a library or something over there. And you return to this main area probably three or four times, but it's only ever similar in that there's a main assault when you leave, but then a new avenue opens up and you get to explore a new environment that, yeah, even if at the end of the day it's like a police station, a library, a gas station, like it still feels connected. And I think there's value there in... making more of an attempt to craft a world that just, it feels like, again, to to use the word that we, uh, that we are dreading with every breath is uh, organic. (laughs) It feels connected. And I have a great appreciation for that instead of, I don't know. Sometimes I feel with these types of games, I feel like I'm being treated like the child that I probably am. And that it's like, they just want a cool environment and they don't care about the connectivity of that. Whereas when there is some sort of cohesion between environments, It feels like a setting that is gauging my progress throughout the campaign in a way that feels like a more traditional linear story, even if the players are very much crafting their own experience, uh, anecdotal experiences in terms of like making this run and, oh, I got jumped by a stinger there or I got uh, killed by a bloater there or something to that effect.
1: Yeah, and yeah, it's a very effective way of Breathing familiarity with your environment without making you replay replay everything straight away um while that doesn't work the story as well it it does work in gameplay turns where you are becoming accustomed to it's like well that's there that's there that's there i remember that before like that and you get a better sense when you come back to it on certain places that you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I I now get why this could happen there, why that could happen there. It doesn't feel quite so random at that point, you know, in in those middle points. I mean, it is still, and it is still a mess in that that regard, but at least then there's a bit more method in that madness. You know, it starts to become something a bit more cohesive but it, it comes back that's that old argument they used to have about Final Fantasy Thirteen. You know, it's like oh it really gets really good after 20 hours uh, <laughs> okay, it's like it, it, it gets really good when you play the game through twice <laughs> you know it's like it, it, you know the only game I've ever seen that get away with was Near Ultimata, where everyone was like no no suddenly everyone who's ever said oh well, really a game that you have to finish twice to get they like is like, oh yeah, you've got to finish it 16 times and you'll really understand every every nuance of that story and <laughs> so <laughs> uh, but you know it, it has to be done sometimes I think there's a problem of immediacy in, in a lot of gaming now where it's like, if, people want a lot up front, but they also want to be surprised by revisiting and that's difficult you know even when even your um, insight is high actually if your insight is quite low and base you know, you aren't going to get much out of it they're simple it's like if you don't pick up the first time or second time what are you really going to pick up about it but you really need to have a certain kind of insight into what you're seeing and playing to get anything out of a lot of games it's like and I get the, you know the common argument with games is like oh well stories are, are trash compared to movies or books it's like no they're different it's like the, the difference is like that they have to exist in a very different way and they don't have to be these you know books worth of prose you know they, they are going to fit the dynamic of the game they are in that's when they're great that's when they're good it's when everything comes together and clicks perfectly for a video game and the worst people out there in terms of video game stories don't treat games like that they they, they treat games like they have to be like movies you know and specifically have to be like certain blockbuster movies that they also love you know right, right. Now. and everything has to be like that where they'll take all this deep meaning that was never there out of very shallow things and then when anything that is genuinely interesting or has some detail or depth which you know, Back for Blood isn't the greatest example of that um, they will sort of not take it as anything other than well this bored me because I didn't think it did much i've seen this before lots of things and yes while back for blood for instance does have an essence of that i feel it discredits it to say that it is just oh it does it's just another zombie game because I, i think the work is definitely there to be seen
0: this is the big my big takeaway from this game and definitely getting to talk with you about it at length and just in terms of it's a game that does a lot of groundwork that a lot of games that have tried to be similar to it have not bothered to do. And -hmm. there's a lot of little elements to this game that over the course of spending as much time as we've spent with it, or in terms of like me specifically, not to try to speak for you, but just I've grown an appreciation for the strives it makes and thinking long-term. And this is not really something that I would ever, if I was to review this like In uh, for a site I would never try to convey it in the sense where I was like I would note that there is they are taking the strides in terms of like thinking about the roadmap in terms of what does this look like in six months because it's like well a review I think should be more about what is delivered now and yeah it's good to think about what could be delivered in the future but My review basis is not going to be like, yeah, in six months, this will probably be the best multiplayer zombie game you've ever played, right? I mean, that would be something for down the line. And I think that this game does so much in terms of lots of little details. Like, one thing that I keep coming back to is the fact that for the special mutations, which are just special infected, basically, for this, there's a limited number of types but a majority of the types of infected, there's three variations in terms of the abilities, which plays mm. out also when you talk about, we haven't even talked about like the versus mode, which I haven't spent a great deal of time with, but it is that thing where it's humans versus zombies, players on both sides that are going at it in this much more limited arena. I
1: mean, I will point out, this would be a very short review of that portion of the game. <laughs> Shit, in all fairness, as, uh, as it stands it's massively unbalanced in favour of the the, un, the infected yeah it, is. Uh, it to me feels very much in keeping with what uh, we got in the early part of the 2010s when they were like oh we've got to figure out a way to charge for online let's do these fucking weird online stuff yeah. in a game that doesn't need it you know like mm-hmm. that and it, it feels like that. It feels like that Dead Space 2 multiplayer, you know? Yes. But by that, it, it just feels like something was tacked on. And where I'm glad with this is that it is that, you know, there is just something that you can ignore entirely like that. It, it just doesn't work for me. It, it does just feel like they had to add it on because someone's like, we need a bit more than just this mode and that mode. Yeah. Fair enough. I get that. But when you've already fucked up the idea of doing any single player and then you just add in this other multiplayer mode which is rendered pretty much pointless as it stands
0: mm-hmm. they
1: could get that right in time but I don't think it'll ever really catch the kind of appeal that Warner were hoping for
0: yeah I appreciate that they have the option for not having to have those sort of multiplayer engagements throughout the entire course of a campaign like they did in mm-hmm. Left for Dead but I like the idea of those little scenarios where it's kind of like this little segment of a map that you're somewhat familiar with because they're highlighting the most interesting architecture of a familiar environment. And then, of course, you get to have that back and forth. But that back and forth, I found, was so short-lived because, like you said, the infected are so overpowered compared to the human counterparts. And it feeds back into what's the fucking point if you're not playing with friends. And that is more so as much as we've said, like our overall long-term enjoyment stemmed from playing with friends and people that were halfway uh, competent. Like if you want to talk about the transition between playing through the campaign with people verse, it's essential for versus there's no way that you can enjoy versus mode without players that are all on the same page and communicating. There's just so much more buy-in in that, that it is instantly unappealing to me to even broach more of a conversation about it than we have. But I think that something that I really appreciated about the campaign is that there's a limited number of enemy types. And yet it kept, it constantly kept me guessing in terms of just like, I can't, I can never get too comfortable. And this again, feeds into this back and forth with the difficulty and the spikes and things like that. Yeah, the frequency with which, and I think especially they overuse the uh, special infected more than they should. I think that there's an over-reliance on them versus the swarms of uh, shambler zombies, where every time I look to my left or my right, there's either two tall boys accompanied by two bloaters, or there's three stingers and one bloater, or something to that effect. Whereas, I kind of became desensitized to them, whereas when they show up, it should be these massive... Red flags, holy shit, we have to stop fucking about and get on the same page instantly or we're going to be yeah, fucked. They feel like less
1: like set pieces after a while and more yeah. just like more fodder. The, the yeah. just has yes. to be, offer a different problem. And while that's very true, you know, the, the game's greater threats are not that, you know, it, it still just downplays the differences, you know, it's like, The horde themselves can be dangerous enough on their own.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, if if you aren't careful. I mean, that—that's the greatest rule of any zombie media. It's like the simple infected that are like everything else. You—you can take them for granted after a while when you're used to what they can do, but they'll surprise you at the last moment when you don't really think they will. And it doesn't really quite get that all the time. Because they have, they obviously feel the need to showcase the other versions they've got and the other things they've got, and they end up being the biggest pain in the ass that you will get. You know, <laughs> whenever, you, whenever you have these big encounters, that they are the ones that are like, oh, we're dealing with this quite well. Oh, we'll throw in this, this, this. Fine, throw in that. Throw, throw in things that are going to cause you trouble when you think you've got it all sussed out. But you need to have a plan. You need to have something that makes sense for what you're doing. Not just like, oh we'll throw it in like that. It's like there has to be structure like that. Because ultimately you're telling a story and even enemy placement placement in a game like this is the story. It doesn't it have to be exactly so much dead. about the world. Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be exactly the same every time. I'm not saying that. And it doesn't have to be like a scripted point where you're like, oh, this guy's coming in, or if we're not careful, because I get why that would be stupid for a game that's trying to get some kind of longevity. But you can at least alternate maybe what comes up when and like make it fair and right. Because as we said, especially with the corruption cards. It becomes such a problem if the wrong thing happens at the wrong time and you're the wrong people that a very simple run can turn sour and not in the way that works, not in the way that is appealing. I love failure in, failure in games if it's done right. You know, if you know, your own hubris is your downfall. But when it's just because the game cheaped out on you and you were the wrong people, that's... Yeah then you just get this kind of disdain for what you're playing. No, no, that's not good. You don't want that.
0: Yeah, and I think that this is really one of those elements of the game where I like to think about what it could be like in six months because the framework is there. Again, this idea that there's a limited number of infected and yet there's three variations on their combat style and their abilities and things like that. That is very promising to me And that, sure, you might see one of those special types of infected and yet you can't truly anticipate outside of the three combat variations of what you might encounter and that I think provides a randomness to encounters that again feels like it it gives a certain sense of freshness to every encounter no matter how many times you've played through that specific environment it's more about how they handle the special mutations in general and their in their implementation into the larger gameplay with like blending them into the hordes and things. But I think in talking about those special mutations, it brings up like the two true boss, quote unquote, boss enemies, which uh, personally I think are my least favorite instances of this entire game. That being the ogre, which fills up almost the entire screen when you're fighting it, this behemoth of a zombie and the breakers, which are usually twins, right? They're these sort of like yeah. big they're the, basically the Donkey Kongs of the zombies, right? They come out and they start bashing you in the ground and throwing people and all these things, but these, for as big as they are and as savage as they seem they are essentially a five to eight minute bullet sponge enemy that mm-hmm. every single time they show up, I kind of just like groaned and rolled my eyes and I was like, okay especially <laughs> the first time I played through with bots, it was like, well I'm going to sink through my ammo in about two minutes. And then I'm going to have to run around and find ammo because the bots are either trapped in environments or they're running around and shooting it with like a shotgun from half the map distance away. So they're fucking useless. Like all these little things where those are presented as being these sort of like, holy shit set piece moments. And yet it couldn't be any, it couldn't be more like the antithesis of their intention. It's like, uh,
1: again, this this is, The real niggling thing for me is just that you have these encounters designed for multiplayer use. It's like, again, why make it single player if you're not going to find a way to make that work for a single person? And I get that's hard. I get making AI companions do the right thing is so bloody difficult. And if you're really going to do it, you need massive investment. A massive time to, to really implement it. and I, Even the best examples, you can spot the flaws in them, you can spot where the programming is, you know, to some degree after time. And, you know, here it, it's rather simplistic. I don't think it's as bad as uh, as we said with Aliens Fighting the League, where the bots are just terrible. You know, the, right. they don't understand the basics of anything. Um, yeah, they, they, which is funnier there only because they're androids and that's how they're treating you know, the working Joe style androids. So brilliant, it almost makes sense. and You can kind of forgive it because, of course, they're androids and not even the best androids on the market. Here, they're supposed to be real people, these tough, you know, immune survivors of the apocalypse. Uh, that in itself. Straight away is a crutch. You no, know? it, it, it has. It, you have them saying these people all have been surviving through all this for many years or whatever in life that they're, they're great, that they, they're badasses. You put them in the hands of the game and suddenly they're like.
0: <laughs> it's a big pedig- uh, pedigree to live up to.
1: Yeah, and it's like, and this also comes back to uh, playing with people but at least then you know that's uncertainty that feels more natural you know that you will have you don't know how yeah that person might have all these skills and this particular skill set in what they're doing but it doesn't mean that they're going to be great with it you know it's like I, I can be good at shooting things doesn't mean that I'm clever enough to look behind me and and make sure I don't die you know (laughs) it's like it's uh, you know these are all little nuances that make multiplayer games special especially when you're cooperating is that you can set these basic ideas of what skills should be and anything else is like adds a personality that wasn't there before you know where someone who is uh, not even less skilled. Just someone who doesn't play games the same way you do, will approach an issue in a different way, and that might frustrate you. That might leave you in adoration of what they're doing. You know, like, and that's brilliant because that, that, especially in this kind of media, is exquisite. Mm. It, that is the very essence of a post-apocalyptic zombie style thing, you know, where you are just seeing how other people interact with it, you know, and your reaction bounces off that, you know, you're finding things out about how you feel and how you'd react in these situations, you know, while it's not truly the life and death situation it would be in real life, it's still something, you know, it evokes an emotion that you would otherwise not get, you know,
0: the only thing left to ask is, like, what do we hope for the future of Back for Blood? I mean, in all the things that we've been talking about, like, yeah, we I think that we've been highlighting a lot of the elements that we're wishing they would expand on more. But at the yeah. same time, like, there is at least the basis for this game, whether or not it was uh, a benefit of having Game Pass, right, and getting to dive in day one and whatnot at no cost, other than, of course, your subscription fee and whatnot. I mean... There is fun to be had with what is available on day one. It's not exactly what we want it to be long term. I mean, long term for you, what would be the thing that you could see making you come back to this, let's say, in six months time, right? You're a busy guy. You're writing all yeah. these articles for Blade Disgusting and whatnot, and you've got other commitments. I mean, what would make you come back to this game in six months? What ideally would the experience be that you would want to return to? I mean, It differs.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tough for me especially because to stick to any one multiplayer game, it's tough uh, these days, you know, uh, because time is what it is. I'm a 39-year-old man who has limited time because of kids. And that's for free time, you know, let alone playing games for review. This is a game I was interested in anyway because, you know, in zombie games, I'm always going to give Something of a past too, because I believe in them a bit longer. You know, I still be very critical of them, uh, and have been in the past. But I would always be out looking for something that does something that I like about it. And you know, Back for Blood does a lot right. You know, still, uh, even with all its flaws, even with everything that's going. On, I mean, at the, the point we're recording now which uh, is on the Wednesday before the Monday um, because of things. But um, my review has just gone out on Bloody Disgusting now as we're recording. And you can see what I think and it's pretty much echoed much of what I've said here, which is very handy. I've been talking about it all day in writing. It made it so much easier to talk about it now. Um, But yeah, so I talked throughout that review about how I feel that you know I get it and it was very much the same with the beta that the future is there there's hope for the future with this game it will because that's how these kind of games work now you you can have the fundamentals down and get a decent audience and then you build on that and add to it and then you get word of mouth about how great your game is and whatever you add to it doesn't always work I might add but as you pointed out I think Back for Blood has enough to it to begin with that any upgrade on it will be helpful you know especially in terms of people who are a bit reluctant to go into it those who want to solo play again personally don't see why (laughs) not that kind of game but they will do something to fix that I feel and they will tweak and fix all the myriad little issues with difficulty and whatever and they will add more to the game as time goes on I think it'll do well for itself uh, as time goes on I think there's more little stories to be told I didn't get into it but I think the cleaners they have their cleaners are the characters you play as you know. you know are actually quite fun and interesting to play as you know that, they really are I, you know, everyone's got this great appreciation for Hoffman who is basically John Goodman
0: uh, you <laughs> from, know, uh, from uh, what was it what was the uh, Was it It wasn't death proof what was the uh, James Wan movie that uh, Kevin Bacon plays the father whose family gets murdered and then John Goodman oh, sells him the guns yeah death sentence death yeah. sentence that's what it was yeah. I knew death was in the title
1: yeah, it's that and a bit of the his arachnophobia character. Yes. Uh, and a bit of Eugene from The Walking Dead. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's all there, rolled into a ball, which is great character. And yeah, that, that stood out. You know, Barbara Crampton it, plays Mom, you know, this you know older biker chick you know, sort, who is a brilliant character. And the characters are really good. I really enjoyed them and the stuff they said and like I said before I think they're betrayed slightly by how the game is set up in terms of telling their stories
0: yeah
1: and but I think with the time people who enjoy it will put in and additional content in the future I think it'd be great I think people will get into them you know and I think the key takeaway I will have about Bunch is that we live in an age where we are very much knee-jerk. This is our take now. This is it. It has to be now, 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 now. And then, naturally, a few years go by. Everything gets a retrospective that was actually all right, really. And I think this will be one of them. You know, it happened to No Man's Sky. Uh, in lesser sense, it happened to games like Prey. You know, where people shat on that game for so many reasons mainly because one it wasn't oh it's not the original prey that no one really gives a shit about and oh and it naturally you know, In then as it had control issues you know and stuff like that all those things have since melted away and the game is like smooth as fuck plays brilliantly like that and now it's become like this cult classic and this has happened with so many games over the years you know like that and I truly believe that games like this will be part of that you know we've mentioned a couple earlier you know that are very live service based that also have managed to redeem their image and while as you point out this isn't as damaged I think by its initial impressions as the initial impressions have been very positive all things saying yeah and but you know I think it will it will benefit in the same way that Fallout seventy six or No or Sky did, in that it will progress and word of mouth will push the game onto a new level.
0: Well, this is I mean, I want to go back to one thing that you mentioned that I feature that I completely uh slipped my mind, which is generally how these things go after we talk for almost ninety <laughs> minutes, and then I'm just like, How the hell did we not mention that in the first ten minutes? But um it is this idea of something that I've really come to appreciate with doing the podcast with you for as long as we've been doing it, is that Mm. thinking, I can't help but whenever we talk about something, to think about the future and the idea that there's nothing stopping us from talking about something again in 6 or 12 or 18 months in terms of just talking about whether it be a new update or we could even just revisit it for the sake of it, right? This idea that Yeah. yeah, we, and I think that not to give us too much credit, but I think this is something that games journalism, film journalism, whatever, could get better at is in terms of not just articles, right? Because obviously article retrospectives have been a thing for a very long time. The idea though that in these long-form conversations, whether it be just you and I or having a couple of guests come in as well, this idea that we can have these long-form discussions about something, whether it be sort of uh, leading with all the new content, but also how this affects the lineage of something throughout the years because this is definitely one of those games that, from day one, I can see this game having a longer lifespan than something like Left 4 Dead. Again, not to keep beating that drum, but in terms of the mechanics that are presented, we've discussed a lot of shortcomings that we've found or things that aren't as fleshed out. And yet, I think that are wanting for these to be fleshed out, they have succeeded where a lot of other games that have tried to do something similar to this have failed or fallen behind even more so. And this is particularly, I mean, you've mentioned a couple of games that on day one, it was, might've been more disappointing than what black back for blood is at right now. But this is a game. I can't wait to see what it looks like in six months or even three months. I mean, it's a game that it's a, it's from a, from a studio that is very well versed in this specific type of game. We see inklings of them evolving on what they've done previously and the idea that now especially again coming back to not to beat that game pass drum too much the idea that they're going to get an influx of a user base because of that that is going to be their day one and i would venture majority of them have never played left for dead don't know much about it outside of whatever the uh the sort of like zeitgeist of games and the social impact that game had in terms of like we've talked about previously like the memes and stuff like that it's Ingrained in the culture of gaming to a degree that I don't know a lot of the people that enjoy that cultural aspect have actually ever played the game themselves. So yeah. to it's see been it, so really, long, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's that too. It's aged yeah. out.
1: That's it. Yeah, you you have that other side of it where you know, there are people that revere that game and haven't played a game like it in, in so many years. And yeah. like I said before, it's like that becomes a thing where you, you live long enough. You, you end up coming up on games that were like oh I remember the good old days when this game was a game and blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah 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 and that was my favourite like that and absolutely yeah and it makes sense I, I get it and games are young enough that that hasn't been quite as uh, I don't know, actually don't even think it's an issue with movies anymore because the movie criticism has basically scrubbed out anything Before the seventies, now you know where it becomes, you know, well this should be like this, this should be like that. Within a fifty year sort of time period, everything else before that, unless you're a specialist, you're not going to give a shit, you know. Mm. Like uh, and games is very much like that. For many games began in the nineties, and that's it. You know, that 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 is it. you You can say old Mario happened and all that in the late 80s but yeah, games are what they are and and a lot of it ignores how far we came in such a short period of time right. and how now we're down to nuances yeah? Yeah. and now Back for Blood being a decade apart from Left 4 Dead 2 is so different but not in the way it should be we have gone back in some ways. Uh, it's unfortunate, but it's not back for Blood's fault. Yeah, the, it's, no, not not. A, it's not to a Rock's Studios' fault that we've gone back. It's the nature of the in- industry, which has reached quite alarmingly, uh, you know, reached the same stage as the movies where it's like, well, no, we, we can market the shit out of certain games and make them... Make bank out of those and anything else well whatever you know and and Back for Blood is very much part of that because you know it's backed by Warner Brothers you know they are they are not shy they've put a massive campaign behind this game
0: yeah shocking one I didn't think I would see one as big as we've seen for this for something outside of again like annualized games like it's it's unavoidable and how often can you say that about a game that again is Again, the spiritual successor to a game that is now how many years old? Like, it's yeah. not even really in the conversation anymore, and yet, it's backed up by probably the most non-hardcore, aggressive audience backing I've seen from PR in quite a while.
1: Mm. And that in itself causes its own problem because that fan base is going to be on the defensive almost straight away because. Why wouldn't there be? You know, it's like this is something coming out saying I'm better than the thing you loved when you were young.
0: Oh, that,
1: you uh, yeah. And as we said before, when you're a certain age, that's not going to be agreeable with you. You're going to guide go your way to say, no, this is nothing like Hiram, but ah, terrible. I'm very much guilty at this for some things. You know, of the certain age range for me where I'm like, you know, not from my early twenties. But certainly later on, where I'm like, no, this was good shit. You you're all morons for not appreciating it, you know. And it, it will be the same again and again and again. I, I see people championing games that they loved when they were young, and there will be a 10, 15 years difference, you know, when they were young in the same sort of period I appreciated games in that way. And so you get it, you know. That cycle will always continue and Left 4 Dead is close enough that uh, it still will affect so many people in terms of what it does. But I think Back 4 Blood hopefully, to me, will escape some of that legacy as time goes by.
0: Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can hope for in terms of like future content or future evolutions is that it further branches out on what we expected from it based on that sort of buy-in with our own nostalgia, right? The things that drew us to wanting to play this based on our previous experience with Left 4 Dead and things, I hope that in six months it resembles that even less in terms of it evolving on that very sort of, for lack of a better word, vanilla framework in terms of like, yeah, you're running from safe room to safe room. That will always be the vanilla basis and foundation of this game. But I want to see the the weird curveballs they that can throw into each of these acts, even if it's sure. not necessarily new. I mean, of course we will more than likely get new acts and new levels in these things, but I'm more interested in the ways that they can take what's already here and evolve on it with the variables that are already here in terms of like a lot of, whether it be like the siege instances or throwing a wrinkle in those or a further challenge outside of just more corruption cards and things. It would be interesting for me to see the creativity that they can inject into what is already here because there's a lot here on day one. I don't think that's, you can argue with that, but the ways in which they can manipulate those in strange ways that you would never think of yourself, I think that can give it the longevity and further fleshing out its identity from the thing that it is very much the spiritual successor to it. And I think that that in the long term is what makes me most excited for the future.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think we need, game, like I said before, we need games like this where you don't have to pour yourself into every aspect of it and pick apart everything about it that's great. Uh, and yet, you know, for as simple as this game is, we've talked for ninety minutes. You know? <laughs> yeah. So you know, it, it, it says a lot because it's fascinating um, in so many ways in terms of how it's evolving and not evolving from what we. Already knew, yeah. But I, I will close this episode out in saying two things. One, um, and this is this part is to do with the game in it, in itself, is like I said before, a game does not need to be this empowering, powerful statement to be worthwhile. You know? A game can just be fun, enjoyable. At the end of the day, that is why it's a game, you know? It's like we understand that, you know, a lot more trying to drive towards this narrative level of uh, engagement. And that is absolutely valid. But you cannot discount it. And it, it is as true here as it is in any horror medium. You can have... Trash sounds awful, but trash-level horror, where you are just wanting to be entertained, have some fun... Unabashed horror. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's better. Thank you, yes. And you are having fun in in a comforting, familiar environment, and that's it. That's all you want. That's all it has to be. It, that gets lost a lot but I really do believe that is essential and Back for Blood is that kind of game so I know it's had the hype machine behind it about you know being this the, the second coming of Christ in this term Christ is left the dead um, <laughs> and it's not it's not it's never going to be it's never going to be left the dead it's going to be the most modern approximation of that It's going to have problems. It's going to have limitations and weaknesses because the industry has changed so much in that time. Um, That is not to detract from other little problems the game has and they are fixable. They are criticisms you can make. but I, I truly believe that those are things that can be altered in time.
0: That is the biggest thing that I would definitely leave people with that are listening to this that are like, well, they've definitely had some issues. (laughs) They've spent a good chunk of this 90-minute conversation now with a lot of their issues with it, and yet everything we've mentioned is fixable or expandable. They can expand on it in a way that a lot of games that try to be something similar to this, like Alien Fireteam, I personally do not foresee ever truly ironing out to the degree that would live up to that true potential. Something like Fireteam, definitely still enjoy it, had a ton of buy-in, of course, because of the property and all of those things, and there's fun to be had there with friends. Again, that sort of uh, disclaimer, right? The best way to experience this is with friends, and yet fundamentally, with something like Fireteam, I cannot see the developers ever developing additional acts or levels that don't resemble almost to the T what we had already received in the base vanilla version. Granted, yeah. they might look different. They might throw a new enemy type at you. I very, I'm very, i very hesitant to believe that they're ever going to restructure that experience from our initial impressions of it, no matter how much more content they give us. Yeah. Something like Back for Blood though, I could foresee that there's enough variables and enough content variation on day one it is not a stretch to assume that they could further expand on that, that they could further develop content outside of something along of here's a new cleaner, here's a new type of gun, here's a new whatever have you. I, fi- I believe, at least, and again, this comes with a little bit of the pedigree that comes with the studio's past history, but also just, again, the plethora, and I don't use that lightly, there's a plethora of content here in terms of a multiplayer-focused game that is yeah. service-based to a certain degree, that I mean, uh, this is—I'm not necessarily the deepest Destiny fan, but I've played both Destiny games. There is more content here day one, and there's a more of a variety of content that I could see this surpassing Destiny or something similar to that in terms of like the variety of experiences, the variety of attention expanded on what was there yes. day one. And I mean, yeah, like you, yeah, we love zombie games. First person squad based zombie game. Like that is the Kool-Aid that I'll drink all day. But (laughs) I, not to the degree that I would ever say that if this had been two acts of three levels or something like that, and it's like, yeah, you just replay with your friends and it's a lot of fun. I would be like rolling my eyes at that, but there's so much content and there is a good amount of variety throughout the entire campaign. And you know, the, multi, the versus stuff was not for us but I could see some people sinking their teeth into that in a way that you and I might sure. not yeah I um, mean
1: it reminds me very much of like going back to the era of early 2010s where every game was adding it for the sake of um, paying getting paid a certain fee yeah and it, as much as there were bad examples of that, there were, there were great examples of that. And, uh, you know, I think of Assassin's Creed with Brotherhood, with the multiplayer mode that came out of that, was absolutely one of my favourite things in terms of multiplayer gaming, because they gave a shit, they, they did it right. You know, and even if that part of multiplayer is not great now, that's not to say that they can't Look at it, look back at it, and think: Yeah, we we could make that better. And and now more than then, yeah, that that is a thing. You you can fix the worst part of your multiplayer experience
0: mm-hmm.
1: easily now, you know, if you really want to. You know, it's like you can either accept it as being a mistake and say, Nah, we'll, we'll, we're done with that. Great, understandable. And in this instance, I absolutely agree. It's like if they if Turtle Rock wanted to stop that part, not a problem. Like that, the game doesn't need it. Fine. We've
0: we've also mentioned WB. I mean, WB is not going. This is not going to be. This is a double-edged sword again. To come back to that phrase, where it's like with WB involved and the amount of aggressive promotions that they have been doing for this game for months. This is not something that the average consumer has learned about last week right this is something that people have heard about for months it has had television spots it's had the full swath of pr deals i and maybe this is a little optimistic on my part i find it very difficult to believe that this is the type of game that they would abandon in three months time
1: yeah i mean it's very much the same with how they were with with dying light 2 the game's been delayed but the Coverage, the stuff they put out for that game, you know, in the last few months has been almost excessive. You know, they yeah. they are they're going for it. they're going for it, and you know, I speak as a fan of the first game and how much I loved it. it. It's been a lot, you know. It's like I feel like I'm not learning anything because it's been so much, and that is horribly the true test of a game that's being pushed and by the it it's being
0: pushed I mean as somebody that's never played Dying Light it's one of those things where it's like it might be annoying to people that have not people that are fans of it like yourself that it's like you're not learning anything at this point but at the same time like credit goes where credit's due they're not allowing the general conversation to ever drift to the degree yeah. where people are like what is this again? And whether or not that's a result of like, well, we saw e three footage how many years ago and we still haven't seen anything solid recently. Like that's a whole nother conversation, but to a certain degree, it's like, well, there's a certain amount of confidence there that I hope of course they deliver on. And there's a chance they might not, but at the same time, it serves as an example of something where it's like, okay, they're not abandoning this. We haven't gotten to the point where they're like, well, this is taking forever. Fuck it. Whether or not the game becomes yeah. good or not, and <laughs> I mean, when you, when I apply that sort of logic to something like Back for Blood, which has come out and which has had middling to positive reviews, I haven't granted that's my limited viewpoint of what I've seen personally. That's anecdotal, but <laughs> that's I fair. yeah, I haven't seen anything that has been overly negative, right? And I think that we again we have highlighted elements that we haven't liked a lot or things that we think that have growth to them, but That's very different than saying definitively this is an element that is not good or this is a detriment to the overall experience. This is something Mm -hmm. that is, at worst, serviceable, and at the very best, you can see growth for it to a degree where it capitalizes on that true potential, which, with these types of games that the format of a game like this I think you could describe as being, at one point, very kind of like dime a dozen, this is an example of something that has true growth potential and yeah. it has a studio or publisher backing rather behind it to actually see that come to fruition in a way that as somebody that doesn't sink a lot of time into multiplayer games personally, it has me excited for the future of this game in a way that I definitely didn't imagine I would ever have, to be honest.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think we'll leave it there. In, yeah. In terms what we sure. talk about. But before I go and before you go, um, I say collectively we want to say a big thank you to the the spike in numbers we've seen in Mm. in the last week since we first posted on Bloody Disgusting uh, about the podcast Uh, it's great to see people engaging with what we've done
0: Mm.
1: I hope that continues it's brilliant Um, any feedback, any questions on what we've done would be absolutely appreciated Uh, and it's a pleasure to, to have
0: a wider audience you know, for a, a humble podcast at this point <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, no it totally yeah. totally champion everything you're saying and uh, again as I say in uh, every time at the uh, outro of the episode like if people want to uh, comment or let us know what they think about the podcast or if they want to provide their feedback on whatever game or a specific element of an episode that we've talked about feel free to uh, reach out to us on twitter at uh, Safe Room Pod. Which and, and, you know, I can't thank people enough for like tuning in more so and listening. And of course, over the course of uh, the last, now let's see, geez, this is uh, 25 <laughs> weeks or so we've been doing this. You know, it's it's fantastic yeah. to see that uptick and it's definitely appreciated. And it just kind of fuels us to uh, to not only reach out, to have more guests come in and get more varied types of conversations and points of view, but also just knowing that people are Consuming this in greater numbers than seemingly enjoying it, based on uh, the recurring numbers and things like that, it's uh, very much yeah. appreciated.
1: Absolutely, yeah, it's been fun to do, but it's lovely to see this little uptick we've got.
0: Absolutely, and uh, as always, Neil, thank you yourself for uh, for joining me to chat about uh, horror games and whatnot for Safe Room. Yes, I shall see you in a week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Safe Room. Please consider following and rating the show on your preferred podcast platform. And for updates on the show, follow us on Twitter at Saferoompod. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next week.